I'm James Walker, and this is Real Talk, Real People. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You know, one of the biggest challenges that we face for the future is the mental health of our young kids. I don't think it's been any secret that for adults, the pandemic left many of us depressed, feeling socially isolated. Well, if we feel that way as adults, you can imagine what this has done to children. Don't forget, it is during those early years when you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, and you're just in getting into school is when you learn to socialize, work out problems, and all of those and all of those things. Well, the vast majority of kids have not been able to do that due, uh, due to the pandemic. You can note, you will now note that there are a lot of lawmakers who are proposing or are already pouring millions of dollars into programs and facilities that help um, that will help these young kids uh, with their mental health in overcoming the pandemic. Well, about a year ago, we had some mental health officials from New Haven on the show, and they warned about the dangers that children were facing coming out of the pandemic. And when I say the dangers they were facing, I'm talking about the mental health, their mental health. Let's hear what they had to say. My name is Shanira Billups. I am a national certified counselor and licensed professional counselor um, within the New Haven County. I'm also founder and CEO of Mental Growth Internal Healing LLC. I work with a variety of uh, organizations and I also had some of them as behavioral health services. Um, I'm an active member and board member of the Connecticut BIPOC uh, Wellness Initiative, uh, which is a phenomenal um, networking um, opportunity and mostly online, but we are um, going out. And I also am an educator with Southern Connecticut State University, adjunct professor of psychology. Great. And Regina? Hi. Hello, my name is Dr. Regina Wilson, and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of Connecticut. Um, I own and operate a private practice called Wilson Mental Health Services in Hartford County. I have been in private practice for over 20 years. Um, I have a wide variety of experience. Um, I also am EMDR trained, um, and I am also the vice president of the CT BIPOC Mental Mental Health Wellness and Alliance, um, which, as Shanira was saying, is started as an online forum to try and reach people to address mental health issues and also to do some education about various topics. Um, and to date we've done like 66 forums on um, various mental health topics um, that addresses the uh, BIPOC community. So um, delighted to be here. And I, I thank you for asking um, myself and I um, asked my colleague Shanira to join me in this discussion on um, the mental health needs of children in urban communities. Um, you know, especially during this, you know, pandemic, because what we are seeing is that there have been an increase in um, mental health issues among, I think, all children, all people, but specifically among um, children of color in terms of um, increases in anxiety, depression, suicide rates, um, 
you know, school problems because of the in and out of school, um, the in housing instability contributing to these mental health issues, the lack of um, food resources available to families, uh, all contributing to the decline or the increase in, in mental health issues. So I think it's an important topic to talk about. Sure, because I think a lot of young Black kids right now are really experiencing some tremendous mental health issues because not only do they have, you know, to deal with racism, police brutality, police killing um, uh, neighbors and so forth, you know, but um, the isolation, seeing that the majority of people or a good percentage of the people who the virus is killing are black and brown people. So there is really a heavy weight on these young children right now. So what do you think that we should do? How can we help these young people achieve some kind of normalcy here? Um, Dr. Wilson, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll probably try to answer this. I, I, I already saw you, so please go ahead. Um, so looking at it from a perspective of dealing with uh, things holistically, definitely with behavioral health. I feel that strongly that when it comes to children, environment is everything. Environment is everything. Not because um, that the environment is going to be the total determination as far as the child's uh, the child's overall development, but it will heavily influence it. When you have a child who is um, brought into an area that is highly stricken with poverty, uh, violence, uh, crime, dealing with low resources, all these types of factors, when they're in an environment, they're vulnerable because that's where they're kind of put to be raised by whoever it is as a caretaker. Now, if they've been blessed enough with caretakers that are resourceful, that are able to push them to be to be better, to strive better, that can invest in them, they may turn out better than what their environment says they're predictably to be. However, when you don't have that type of support in your environment that is... Um, has much deficit or is uh, poor in nature, unless that child can be removed from there or probably have uh, time in another one that can help them to kind of thrive, they're probably going to be more subject to whatever it is that the conditions around them kind mm -hmm. of put them into. Now, other factors can definitely determine whether or not they can deter from that. However, if you're going to restrict them to these types of conditions, um, it runs high risk. So, one thing I want to say with, with your um, statement, the, the, the word normalcy. I think Black children didn't have normalcy before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, it, I agree. Further, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about kids who, you know, again, and, and, and not plugging the CT BIPOC, but that was another thing, reason why we started was because of the police brutality and the racism that was going on. And we knew with the, you know, the um, country shut down, people weren't going to have access to things to talk about it, to learn about it, to, to be educated mm -hmm. on what might be going on. So I don't know what is normal for, for black children. So, but what we do know is sure. what parents need to do is pay attention to their children's behaviors, right? Because yes. especially smaller children, smaller children communicate what's going on with them through their play through yes. their, and through their actions, right? They don't necessarily yes. have the verbal skills 
to say, mm-hmm. mommy, right now I'm feeling sad because I can't see my friends, you know, mm-hmm. or mommy, I'm sad because I really want to be in school and I, I'm not getting this online thing because a lot of kids also were, were mm-hmm. you know, there's some kids who have excelled with the virtual, but a lot of kids have not thrived in this. It, it's very yeah. hard because one is um, they don't have the attention span to sit there, right? For that. Right. Sometimes there isn't an adult present because the reality is, is our, these families are families that are on, on the front line in terms of working at like Work, deep jobs and fast food right. yes. and grocery stores, right? So, so, so they have to weigh, do I go to work or do I sit home and make sure my child's doing work? Mm-hmm. Well, I have to feed my child because if I don't feed my child then my child can't sit there and pay attention. If I don't go to work, I don't have a house. Mm-hmm. Then my child doesn't have a house to sit in to learn. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I think, you know, things have been done to try and help, but these are issues that were far, that were already there before that have right. yes. been exaggerated. You know, the, as Shanira mentioned, the poverty, the violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, violence in some communities is out of control right now. Totally out of control. Definitely. Totally. You know, Definitely. And, and, and it's, and, it's and, scary for adults, let alone kids. Exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, Shanira and I yes. earlier were talking. Shanira, share some stories. You told me a story earlier about. Yes, I. So the um, within the New Haven County, like even before the summer really kicked into play, there were already weeks upon weeks in a, a specific area that shootings were happening on the regular. Uh, clients that I had, I did them the courtesy of actually going to their home and uh, seeing them and their children and they've expressed how they're afraid to be out. Um, then like, I'm not bringing my child to a bus stop because I know who's associated with X, Y, and Z as far as on um, what's happening. Or um, they just come home from maybe seeing family members and finding that their vehicles have been shot up. Like just missing bullets like this. One child had expressed, uh, mommy, I'm afraid to die. I don't want to do this. Um, and the, the exposure to community violence is very real. And they're not to mention, you know, dealing with community violence and then dealing with their own personal family trauma. Um, some of them dealing with domestic violence from their history and um, deaths in that sense. It's a lot and it's overwhelming. And the biggest thing that I'm finding as far as a, like a common a common factor is lack of resources and support from other outside sources that are supposed to be available. Housing, just not answering calls or being present. And it's like a strain even for the workers who are working in these facilities or dealing with um, state services. As Dr. Wilson mentioned earlier, like, you know, the parents are like, all right, do I get a job? Or do I sit at home with my child? All right, it's possible probably sit at home with this child because they say, you know, oh yeah, well, just get on state assistance or whatever. But then it's like there's backup with that. There's no guarantee of anything. You, you literally don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from. And you're living from paycheck to paycheck and hoping that you can get a safe enough area to go ahead and manage whatever money it is that's coming into you. It's the struggle, the, the common term, the struggle is real. Yeah, real. that's exactly what it is for them. And actually, uh, it's my opinion that going on state services and, and you know, the whole food stamps, getting that monthly check, getting this outside help, I, I think it also does a lot to affect the mental health of young children because they don't see this 
they don't see it coming from their parents. They see it coming from outside sources, which tells me that the way they feel is that it can't come from their parents. They have to seek outside help in order to improve their lives. And let's face it, as you said, a lot of these services are very, very, they are very lacking. And yeah. I know for myself, um, I just completed a um, book on domestic violence and child abuse that I'm hoping mm -hmm. that will, I will get published because I grew up in that situation. I know the, I know the mental health aspect of growing up like that and trying to overcome something like that. And I know that for me, there just was no help. I had to work all of this out by myself. And that takes a long time when you could be doing other things with your life, but you're battling these mental health issues and yeah. you spend so much time looking over your shoulder that you can't look forward and, and move forward. You're listening to Real Talk, Real People, the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people. But I wanted to find out what. I just want to let me. I just want to piggyback yeah. one. So sure. I will. I will agree, with Mr. James, that um. Just call me James. Okay, oh, James. Yeah. That when you were a child, um, that there weren't a lot of resources available, and especially for um assistance with um domestic violence, there actually are a number of resources to help victims of um domestic abuse and and programs for kids. Um, what's lacking is is the programs available to help the offender that's correct right? but that's what that's what that's what the real problem is the problem yes. if you can treat the offender then you're going to decrease the violence and then you're going to decrease kids being affected by and 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 women so there there are programs available a lot many more programs available now the other piece i wanted to address is in terms of service for mental health again like i said i have over 20 plus years and i re i remember this when i first um came into the field um there weren't a lot of people, a lot of, I'm gonna say black people because there weren't a lot of black mm -hmm. clinicians. And I remember like I was a hot commodity. I mean, I would get referrals, referrals. And my, one of my expertise is in child sexual abuse. So I would, me and two other colleagues, I worked with a, a mere Asian woman and a, a Spanish woman, Cuban. And we were getting all the basically children of color referrals in the Hartford, Manchester area. Those kind of, that's where I work from DCF. I mean, that, that's what I did from 2000 to about 2016, just referrals and everything from there. Um, right now, I do a lot of work with um, intimate partner violence, and I get a lot of referrals from DCF from women who've been in this situation, and I provide psychoeducation and therapy on that aspect. Um, mm -hmm. But there are a lot more, you know, because I think our people tend to be hesitant about therapy because there are a lot of us that look like us. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more of... Um, Black clinicians out there ranging from LPCs, LCWs, um, PhDs that are available. I mean, what the problem is, is that people actually are seeking services mm -hmm. and we are inundated with right. like, mm -hmm. we, we can't even get enough people. And like, I've gone from where, like I said, modestly, I'm like, I'm going to do like 16 a week. And that's ample because I think therapy takes a lot. You give a lot of yourself when you're working mm -hmm. with people, you're doing good work. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at like 25 cases, you know, that, that, that's just been during the pandemic, um, because the need is so high, but there are 
resources. We're going to take a quick break and remind folks that we're looking for subscribers. And the more subscribers that we get, we're better. We're able to put on a better and produce a better show. Um, if you like our content, we're asking you to please subscribe and share and subscribe to this channel and also share our videos. It doesn't cost you anything. But if you do want to support us, for those of you who listen to our podcast in just this audio form on anchor.fm, there is a support button there. And we ask you to hit that support button and support this podcast. Now let's get back to the conversation. I want to start this conversation going back to a previous podcast that I did. And the focus was that the Black community itself must put more focus on the mental health needs of the Black community. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yes, we do need to do that. But it's like, how? And it's also a matter of looking at with the behavioral health, I, I strongly feel, and Dr. Wilson, you know I'm relying on you for a different perspective with this, but I strongly feel that as far as um, Black mental health care, it looks very different from mental health care that's given to those um, of white background because of, again, where we come from and what has kind of been the pressing as far as our behavioral health. Um, we've come from a background of, of slavery, of deficit, of having lack and having to constantly be at this attitude of pick yourself up by the bootstraps, stifle your crying, don't show your emotions. All that junk just, just crammed in. And then when you're left at your wit's end where there's no more room to cram in, then, and you're left subject to losing it. But it's like, how am I supposed to feel comfortable releasing these emotions when there's nobody that I can identify with? There's a lot, there's um, a generational trauma dealing with things within the family that a lot of brokenness, broken homes, things of that nature. And from a perspective of that, there's need for looking at being resourceful, helping people get better outlets. What does it look like in terms of joining the family together? Um, sometimes doing psychotherapy off the rip is not the initial approach that needs to be taken. Sometimes with some people, it's just open up like, okay, listen, I got this for you. I got that for you. All right. Now, now that you're in a more stable environment, now that you have less stress in these areas, let's get down to your behavior when you weren't in that. What was that about? Let's see what's being exhibited. Was this based on circumstance or is this a long-term thing? Are you finding that you're still experiencing these symptoms even after you're being provided for? But I feel that's more of the approach for Black people. Yeah. So I want to I want to also address that because I, I agree with saying Shan Shanira. That is one aspect of it for me. This is the other perspective. I think the other. <laughs> no, we love different perspectives here. <laughs> I love it. That's why I'm gonna yeah. rely on you for giving that to me because we need different perspectives. That's First. what we need. I think we also have to look at how we view mental health in the Black community, right? Yes. So. Part of the problem is there's, I think, a lack of valuing the importance of mental health services because it's kind of viewed negatively. Like, mm -hmm. when people going out to seek services are viewed as crazy. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that. I, I, I still get clients still that will say, yeah, I'm not crazy. I said, well, that's good because you would be in a hospital. That's where crazy uh -huh. people go. And I said, we also don't use the term crazy. What, what we talk about, and I, I literally explained to people, 
what mental health is. Mental just refers to the mind, right? Mm -hmm. If your mind's working perfectly good, you have good mental health. If your mm -hmm. mind's not working, then you have you have mental illness. If you mm -hmm. suffer from depression, you suffer from anxiety, you suffer from ADHD, you suffer from schizophrenia, you have a mental health issue. That's all mm -hmm. it means. Your mind is not working the way it needs to. And so you seek out a professional who can then help you maybe with that, whether it's through coping skills, whether mm -hmm. it's through um, art therapy, you know, because mm -hmm. we also, as Black people, need to look at also, and we'll talk about this in a second, other mm -hmm. alternative approaches that might yes. work for art in the traditional talk talk therapy. So mm -hmm. we have to change the way we view it and we have to kind of take away the stigma about it. You've been listening to Real Talk, Real People. If you would like to be on the show, if you have an idea for the show, give us a call at 203-605-1859 or drop us an email at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com. You folks have a good week and we'll talk again next week.